With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your free and premier resource for everything Ohio State athletics news on these here interwebs. I am Colton Denning, coming to you on a Thursday morning, November the 3rd. And as you're probably very well aware of at this point, the Cleveland Indians have blown a 3-1 series lead and lost the World Series in seven games to the Chicago Cubs with the last two games lost at home. So Cleveland, I feel for you. Tough day. But I hope all of your jokes all summer about 3-1 series leads were worth it. But that is neither here nor there. This would have been our second podcast of the week as Matt Brown and myself talked for about 30 minutes earlier this week about Northwestern and probably came to the same conclusions about that game that a lot of you did at home. A lot of questioning of the coaches, you know, some odd play calls in that game we also talked a little bit about the defense and some of their struggles and kind of the inability to adjust to what Austin Carr was doing to them and how that's been a theme of this coaching staff not only this season but of seasons prior to to not really be the best at in-game adjustments so a lot of uh, a lot of the same stuff that I think has been going on around the Buckeye interwebs as of this week but unfortunately our audio wasn't very good and it got axed but with Nebraska coming to town for a very big game this week as we head into the home stretch I thought we might as well get one of the most locked in people to Nebraska in the football program that there is so I talked last night with Aaron Sorensen of Hale Varsity Dot com about Nebraska season, kind of how they've ended up at this point, being 7-1, and one, kind of their best start in, in the Big Ten since they've been in the conference, as well as some of the off-the-field stuff that has not taken precedence, but been such a big story for Nebraska this year with Sam Fultz's passing, and then some of the stuff their players did with the National Anthem protests, and we talked about the Nebraska offense and the injuries to the offensive line and how that has limited their ability to be as successful in the run game like they have been in years past and how that also has put a ton of pressure on Tommy Armstrong to make plays and to make the right decisions and to not turn the ball over something which he has been prone to do over his course of being the Nebraska quarterback and then we kind of shifted gears into Nebraska's defense And what's kind of been the catalyst for their secondary, which gave up so many big plays last year to being one of the best teams at limiting explosive passing plays this season. And then finally, we get a prediction from Aaron and why she thinks this game will be close and ultimately why I think Ohio State will lose on Saturday. 
So, without further ado, here is Aaron Sorensen from Hail Varsity. And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, your official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Today on the podcast, joining me to talk all things Ohio State, Nebraska, is Erin Sorensen, and she is the online editor and director of digital marketing for HailVarsity.com, a superior and quality Nebraska website. First things, Aaron, thank you for joining and hope you're doing well today. And second, am I correct in stating that the chicken burrito bowl is the superior option at Chipotle? I always get a steak bowl. I'm a steak fan, but if you think about it, I'm from Nebraska and Nebraska is a very like steak and beef kind of place. So born and raised on it. Uh, you know, I think if I, if I don't get chicken, I'm like, I'm definitely going steak. I'm not too big into that. I think they just got the chorizo. I haven't tried it yet. I, I don't either. know how- I don't know how I'd feel about that on either like a burrito bowl or just like a full burrito. I think it might be too much because I like chorizo in general, but on a full burrito, I, I I don't know. But Chipotle, I think you were always somebody on Twitter that stayed like steadfast on the Chipotle even after like the health scare thing. And I, I went away for a little bit, but I, I'm back on the bandwagon now. Well, I figured if there was a time to eat at Chipotle, it was after that because they're going to be so much more diligent. So I'm like, this is actually the time to go. <laughs> Because they're going to make sure that your food isn't contaminated. And now it's like, now that they're past it, they're probably like just cutting corners again. Who knows? Yeah, probably. And like I, because I was away for like, I don't know, maybe like three or four months. And I used to go all the time. And the first time I went back, I went so much beforehand that one of the the ladies behind the counter recognized me. And she was like, I'm giving you the burrito for free. So like I got the hookup based on, you know, based on that. But I'm glad to always have another person in, in the Chipotle corner that, that I can talk to because there's too many people that are anti-Chipotle and I don't like that. I don't like those people. Well, I'll take that back. They're fine people and I respect their decisions, but they're wrong. They just have flaws. They just have <laughs> they, they just have wrong opinions. Well, let's let's get into a little bit of Ohio State, Nebraska. And, you know, the, the first thing that, that I wanted to, to talk about and get some of your perspective on uh, somebody so close to the program and, and in that community, uh, just not even not even football. There, it seems like from an outsider's perspective, there, there's been a ton that has gone on at Nebraska this year. First with with Sam Fultz's tragic passing in the summer and Mike Sadler as well. And then the situation with Michael Rose Ivy, Deshaun Neal and Muhammad Barry when they decided to kneel for the national anthem and, and not just that, but then the backlash that was quite frankly pretty sad to see it, it seemed like it was very racist and it was just a tough situation. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of what what what's the feeling around Nebraska football, not only just the program, but just in the community in general with everything that's kind of seemed to have gone on there, not only in the off season but in the season as well that isn't really football related you know I think that people I I think that all of this has brought out some of the best and the worst in people and unfortunately when things happen like when the three players kneeled during the national anthem you saw very polar opposite opinions and you saw you you unfortunately didn't see any really common ground you saw people who felt very strongly one way or another and those are the those tend to be the the stories that make the news you you hear about you know Nebraska regions feeling very strongly against those players doing that or you hear you know about a a person who you know you you hear about the tweets that somebody is being very very you know inappropriate or sinful um, messages to the players and that's 
unfortunately where we are as a society with the way Twitter works and the fact that you can hide um, behind, uh, you know, the egg emoji or like the egg picture on Twitter is it's easy. It's easy to get very polar polarizing and just take a stance and not want to try to understand where people are coming from. And so I think to a certain degree, people have seen all of this and they see sometimes those bad things and they think it's a representation of all of Nebraska or all of college ball or whatever. And it, it is not. And I think, I think the Sam Fultz situation kind of highlights that because there's a lot of good in the world. There's a lot of good people and we're really seeing that. And it's been incredibly special, especially for me, like just I can speak personally to witness the teams that have done things for Sam, like when Illinois signed the jersey and presented it, that was extremely, extremely meaningful. And, you know, Purdue gave a jersey and Fresno State and Northwestern had helmet stickers. And I know Ohio State is planning on doing something with the best damn band in the land, which is really cool. And then a couple of other things. And it's just, it goes to show you that there's some things that are just bigger than sports. And it's why I love sports. It's why I started ever covering sports and becoming a fan, you know, growing up is those those stories that just make you feel something and Sam was an incredible person and it's it's so sad to see him gone but it's it's really cool to see how people are honoring him and then it kind of helps you realize like he's not actually gone and he's still very much present because of all of this so that's what makes it special and you know even with the three players that kneeled I think you saw a really good side of people that in in can you know to combat the people that were so awful right after, you know, sending them hateful messages and death threats, you saw, you saw some really good that came out of it where they were getting a lot of support. So I think it's just the one thing I've taken away from the season so far with Nebraska from the human side of it, the human level is like, there's, there are things that are bigger than sports. These are, these are what 18 to 22 year old kids and they're out there playing for your team um, or whoever you cheer for and doing their best. And they just want to do what they love and make people proud. And so it's, it's one of those things where it kind of like takes away the like competition side of it and just makes you realize the bigger, more important things. And that's been, that's been a really humbling part of what this season has been like for Nebraska. Well, do you, do you think that that just like for, from your perspective, just covering it, has that been pretty rewarding for you to see, you know, not, not just how people from the outside have responded to, to Fultz and players taking knees and the, the positive reaction from that, but inside the community and inside the football program that just from somebody that hasn't really seen that firsthand, that has to be something that's a little unique. Well, and you know, when you listen to the senior class, Nebraska senior class, you hear, you hear them just really, and this is something, I mean, I have, I've only been covering Nebraska athletics and specifically football for about six years, but I have never, ever experienced this firsthand as seeing a, a senior class that is so close. And they, it was actually Michael Rose Ivy who um, had said something along the lines to the senior class that they've been through too much not to get to the Big Ten championship. They've been too, through too much not to have those goals that they've had realized. And so you see this group of these players that, yes, they love each other on the field, but they love each other off the field. And I think what represented that for me was the same game where the three players took a knee during the anthem. There were, there were a few Nebraska players who were also holding the flag because when Northwestern had pulled out that big flag, some of it was touching the ground. So a few players went and helped hold it up. And 
people try to make a story of that immediately of almost like the one group versus the other group, like the ones who kneeled versus the one who held the flag. And it was Sam Hahn who was like, those are my brothers. I respect them. I respect their choices. I, you know, I love them. It's not, it is not like that. We just saw an opportunity to help because the people that were holding the flag were um, struggling. And so he just really put it into perspective where he was like, this is not an us versus them or any of this. It's like, we're all on the same team. We all have the same goals. We all respect and care about each other. And it was just, it's just been really neat to watch because I don't think I've ever seen this kind of bond, at least at Nebraska in the years that I've covered it. Well, and shifting to the field, you, you mentioned uh, Michael Rose's Ivy statements about, you know, the the senior class and, and not having any choice but to get to the Big Ten title game through eight games, seven and one. Certainly seems like they're at least their most well-rounded team since joining the Big Ten just from an outsider's view of them. What have been some of the things both offensively and defensively that have put Nebraska in the position that they're in right now? Well, kind of similar to JT Barrett with Ohio State, everything runs through Tommy Armstrong. And I, I think people have seen that, you know, he, he started off the season in the non-conference extremely strong. He's dropped off just a bit over the last three games, I want to say. And that was a big part. You know, there were some moments against Wisconsin that if he would have just been a little bit quicker, made it just a little bit different decision, things could have gone very differently for Nebraska. And I would say Tommy is is a big part of what makes that offense go. And so that's been something I think this year you're seeing a group that, and the coaches have been honest, last year it was a lot of learning. They didn't they didn't know Riley. They didn't know his staff. They were trying to kind of figure out what's the game plan, what's, you know, what's the offensive playbook look like, and that, that you could see the learning, and you could also see the frustration. And so I think you have a group, including Tommy, who it, it has clicked. I I think you're seeing that on defense. You're seeing the Nebraska secondary, who was borderline garbage last year, completely do a 180, and ha- they're having an outstanding season. Josh Banderas is, you know, just racking up tackles. You have Nathan Gary, who had two picks against Wisconsin. You just had, in that, and the list just keeps going, you just have a group of athletes who it felt like last year didn't fully get things, whether it was like they were just struggling to adjust to a new offensive defensive plan, but they're getting it now. But then also on the same side of it, I think, and this kind of sounds cliche, I think that this group buys into it now. I think losing to Purdue last year, which was this huge low for Nebraska, and people will never let Nebraska live that down, but I think that was a huge moment in Nebraska's current history where the players and the coaches walked off the field and anything that was there before where it was like, we didn't want Bo fired or, you know, we're still holding on to what the old staff did or we, you know, we aren't a hundred percent on board with coach Riley or whatever it was going on around them. It was like losing to Purdue. They all were able to step back and be like, this is not what we want. All right. We're all in. So I think you're seeing, I think you're seeing the results of that. So I think Nebraska had all of these tools last year. I mean, I know that they did. It's just coming together now because they're buying into it. And I think that they understand their playbooks just a little bit better. And sticking with that, uh, that theme of kind of how the secondary especially has improved through the air in your column yesterday, you've referenced, you know, the improvements that they've made. I think that they were one of what the, the five worst teams in giving up pass plays over 20 yards mm-hmm. last season. And they've completely turned that around. Do you think the catalyst for that has been that they've you know in year two they've completely bought into what the coaches are are selling them that's that is what the coaches have said it was um 
Coach Bray, uh, he actually said that, yeah, I want to say Tuesday because they, you know, each day is a different, you know, defense day, offense day. And uh, he was saying that they just, they buy into it now more. They, they get what's being asked of them. The hard part, the hard part that I think, and even at myself in the moment, because you're, you're stuck on Twitter and you're reading what everyone says, is when Nebraska was losing last year, it's easy to suddenly assume, obviously, Coach Riley isn't doing his job. He's not a good coach. He doesn't know what he's, you know, he doesn't know how to advance these athletes but the reality of it was they went from a coach in Bo Pelini who they call him the players coach and I absolutely believe that he Bo Pelini will fight to the death for his players the only problem with that was is there was also a certain level of like there's a little like just being a little too toxic within that where it was it was very much us against everyone else so there no one else was really allowed in and then you have Riley who comes in who's like polar opposite of that is like wants everyone to be a part of things and wants everyone to like you know have a piece like Riley's been very much you know almost you know hands off when it comes to letting the seniors lead it's like I, there's a couple of stories that have come out about how Riley basically put the leadership in the hands of the seniors in that first year. It was like, if you didn't show up to practice, he's not punishing you. That's on you to answer to your teammates. But they were not used to that because they were used to a program where if you didn't show up, if you didn't have good grades, Bo Pelini was punishing you. They were the coaches were showing up to your classes to see if you were there. Like it was a very like somebody's always watching kind of culture versus now where it's like you can get away with anything and it took I think they said like almost a year for or like it was honestly like I said when Purdue happened where they were like we get it now this is not the coaches to sell us this is us buying into what we want and this is us owning up to our own actions and I think you're seeing the results of that now so I think that's like I said with the defense you're seeing a defense that knows what it's capable of and instead of you you can just tell that they're they're starting to play the way that they probably always were capable of but just maybe we're not given the right tools to do so and my long explanation is essentially yeah they're just buying they've bought into it now and I I think this is the first time you're starting to see this new coaching staff and its players really evolve and adapt together and you're seeing the product of that on the field kind of shifting gears into this game and into Nebraska stretch run your colleague Brandon Vogel at Hale Varsity mentioned in one of his columns the other day that the offense in September was averaging 38 and a half points per game and then shifted downwards to 25 and a half points per game in the month of October is there some is there worry within the fan base or within the team itself that the offense is kind of tailing off at, at the wrong time heading into this stretch run or is it just more seen as you know you, you have a few inconsistent games the Purdue game was kind of ugly the Wisconsin game they, they definitely had their chances I don't think they played poorly but by, by any stretch but is is there any worry and is it legitimate about the offense heading into not only this week but the weeks after if there's any worry so there's two things to understand about Nebraska fans well there's one thing they understand and then like the like the real answer that I'm going to give but Nebraska fans are inherently worried that their team is going to be Iowa last year or is going to end up being a fluke it's almost they've been conditioned to believe that any big game that has a certain level of hype cannot be won uh, that's just how it was before and I, I think the Wisconsin game actually showed that Nebraska is Nebraska very easily 
could have and in many ways should have won that game. And I think that alleviated some of that pressure. But I think where a lot of the worry is coming from against Ohio State is I think Nebraska fans know, and there's there might be some Ohio State fans who listen to this that are going to roll their eyes, but I genuinely mean it. Nebraska fans feel that the Huskers can beat Ohio State. We even have a poll on our website right now asking about that, saying, you know, after Wisconsin and after Ohio State's game last week, do you think, has your opinion changed? And, like, people are really kind of split, but you're seeing a lot more people saying, like, it's going to be close. And one way or the other, Nebraska might win, Nebraska might lose, but it's going to be close. And I'm just going to, I was just going to say that this, the thing that's amazing to me about that is it's just a shift in thinking. But if there's one area to worry about, it's Nebraska's offensive line. It's extremely injured. It's playing with a lot of backups. Um, talk is, there's been talk week after week about potentially having to burn red shirts. That group is not great. And when there's not enough protection for Tommy, that's when he starts to make a lot of mistakes. So right now, I think that's where Nebraska fans are at. It's like in their heart, they know that this team can beat Ohio State, but they don't know if it can happen because there's just maybe one too many injuries that would prevent it from really happening happening well I think it's it's very interesting that you mentioned that in in Nebraska fans I think I guess confidence would be the best word heading into this game Matt and I recorded a podcast the other day that we unfortunately had to had to cut talking about you know whether we thought Ohio State was going to lose and I think he predicted Ohio State to win by I think three points I predicted that Ohio State was going to lose this game based off of how they've played in recent weeks and like for me born and raised, grow up, still live in Boulder. I have like more aggressive feelings probably towards Nebraska football to say the least than like a lot of Ohio State fans. So that was tough for me to think. But I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think when you take a 30,000 foot view of this game with the way that Nebraska has played for the full season and the way that Ohio State's played, I'm definitely with that portion of fans that at the very least, I don't think that it's crazy to picture Nebraska coming into Ohio Stadium and picking up a win if, like you're saying, the offensive line is kind of is able to give Tommy Armstrong time and they're able to limit turnovers, I definitely could see a scenario of Nebraska winning. So in, in that vein, what, what do you think their not easiest path to winning is, but what, what's their best chance to come into Ohio Stadium and win this game? Well, they're not going to win the game running the ball. And there are probably Nebraska fans that would hate me for saying that, but I think you saw that against Wisconsin that there were moments where Nebraska could get a couple of runs going and that was fine uh, but the problem is is like I like I said the offensive line is very hobbled it's it's very jumbled together right now it's not you know if this was the offensive line that Nebraska started the season with, I'd say, heck yeah, you can run the ball at anyone. But unfortunately, Nebraska does not have does not have Amir Abdullah anymore. I mean, when you had Amir Abdullah, you could just say, I, we used to make the joke that Amir didn't need an offensive line. He could just run through anyone. He would run into a pile of defenders and come out the other side unscathed. But you don't have that. You have good running backs, but they just they're going to need they're going to need an offensive line who can create those holes for them. And there's there's a perfect screenshot of it from Wisconsin and where the offensive line just didn't properly execute and create that gap for the running back. But there's enough of a gap that if, if you, like I said, if it was Amir Abdullah, he would have gotten through it. So it's just, it's hard to imagine that Nebraska is going to get a really solid run game going. They might be able to, you know, knock off a couple yards here and there, but I don't think that they're going to win on the ground. I think it's going to have to, it's going to have to be Tommy taking to the air, connecting with Brandon Riley, Jordan Westerkamp, who is his roommate, 
if people don't know that. Um, <laughs> he's going to really have to, like, they're going to have to take those chances, but they're they're going to have to be those more intermediate routes. They're going to have to, you know, Tommy, we, we lovingly call them the YOLO bombs when he steps back, drops his back foot down, and just bumbles the ball down the field with no rhyme or reason. If he's in a situation where he's doing that, then the pass game is not effective for Nebraska, obviously. But if you watch some of the first games this season when Nebraska, like you were saying, was getting 35, you know, scoring like 30, 35 points in a game, you just look at that and you see what were they doing that was different. And it was Tommy was getting a lot more of those intermediate throws. He was making quick, shorter passes that were building his confidence that they needed to spread the defense out a bit. They tossed the ball a little bit further downfield, but he wasn't making those big, you know, triumphant, heroic throws that typically end in a turnover. So it's going to have to be Nebraska is just not going to be able to win it on the ground. They're going to have to be able to win in the air, but Tommy's going to have to be almost perfect when it comes to the decisions he makes. And also the play calling is going to have to be just a little bit better than it was against Wisconsin, because I think if Nebraska would have had just a couple of calls, you know, different, a couple of play calls made just a little bit differently, it could have set Tommy up to be just a little bit more successful. And I know it's easy being like the quarterback, uh, like the couch quarterback saying like, this is what I think should happen, but he has the opportunity to be successful at this point Langsdorf said it on Saturday you're not going to change Tommy he is who he is you have to play to his strengths so if I'm Danny Langsdorf I am doing everything that plays to Tommy Armstrong's strengths and I'm not testing anything that doesn't because against a team like Ohio State you can't test Tommy to make you know those big heroic throws because they are going to just take advantage of it every second they can so Nebraska is going to just have to play a perfect game on offense when it comes to those quick you know intermediate throws and then the defense is just going to the defense is going to have to just keep playing its game but then also kind of start crossing its fingers that uh, JT Barrett doesn't start connecting on those deep vertical passes down field because if he starts doing that it'll be interesting to see what Nebraska can do because they haven't really seen they haven't really seen someone quite like JT Barrett where if he starts connecting on those passes it could just be doomsday for Nebraska well and it's funny that uh, the couch quarterbacking thing because there it, it sounds like it happens in Nebraska and certainly this year and, and last year amongst Ohio State fans there has been a ton of that as well so in that vein if you had to give an official prediction for Saturday's game what are you going with you know I haven't officially I always make my predictions on Thursdays so I know based on when people are listening to this it's not yet Thursday when this was recorded so I haven't quite gotten there yet um but I I am somewhere I think the spread is a little insane I, I don't know if I think the last time I checked it was like what like Ohio State was favored like 17 points or something and I think that's a little much I'm kind of thinking it's going to be a it's going to be a field goal or a touchdown difference I'm like sitting somewhere between like 27 24 27 21 and I could honestly see that score going either way. Well, you heard it there first, folks. Aaron Sorensen's going within a touchdown or field goal, either Ohio State or Nebraska, and she also believes that steak is the superior <laughs> option at Chipotle. So on that, we will let Aaron go. If you want to follow her work, you can catch it out at HaleVarsity.com. You can find Hail Varsity on Twitter at Hail Varsity, and you can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, thank you so much once again for joining the show today. Thank you, and hey, you know, 
if people want to see my official score prediction, I'll have it out in the world. It'll be officially out in the world on Friday. So they can come and tell me if I'm wrong because they usually do. So that's totally fine. I can take it. If I'm wrong, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. We're Matt and I are wrong basically like 95% of the time on here as well. So once again, Aaron, thank you very much for joining the show. We will we'll probably end up just linking to uh, to some of your work and the post as well. So uh, hopefully none of our people will tell you if you're wrong. Cause hey, we'll, it's, we'll have to it's they fine if they do. I was I was way wrong on the Purdue score, and that's Purdue. And a Purdue fan did let me know I was wrong. So anything <laughs> is possible. <laughs> Hey, as long as we get the clicks, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> right. Aaron, thank you so much once again for joining the show. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Aaron Sorensen from hellvarsity.com, breaking down all things Nebraska as well as this week's game between Ohio State and the Corn Huskers. Brought up a lot of interesting points. I think we, we didn't really get into uh, the spread, which she had mentioned it currently at time of recording on Thursday sits at 17 points which seems completely ridiculous given what we've seen from Ohio State over the course of the last month and the big spreads against Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State and Northwestern with the Penn State game obviously an ultimate outright loss but 17 points against at the very least, a top 25 team. I know Bill has them in the top 25 in his S&P Plus metric. So I think that until Ohio State is able to prove that it can play like it did against Oklahoma, I, for one, am, am very skeptical of it, which is why I picked them to lose this week. But it is important to, to note, and this is something Matt and I talked about earlier in the week on the podcast that will never be aired, is... Every single one of Ohio State's goals is still available to them, despite the loss to Penn State, despite how they look last week, and just the general, I think, hand-wringing of the fan base and questioning the coaches. Everything is still there for them. They can still win the Big Ten East. They can still make the playoff and help. They, they can still win the national championship. So as I think up and down this season has been, especially since the Oklahoma game, Everything is on the table for them, and so it wouldn't be shocking either to see all of this talent and I think the, the brain power of the coaching staff finally mesh together and, and get, get ready for this stretch run heading into the last three games of the season after this one. So something to keep an eye on and certainly I think a very big game this week and possibly a season defining game and one that we can look back on at the end of the season as being the spark or the catalyst to a late season run to beating Michigan and getting into the Big Ten championship and possibly making the playoff or one that they could lose at home and then they finish out the season with a loss to Michigan and finish the regular season nine and three and then we'll see what happens in the bowl game but I do think that this one is very big and it's a chance for this team to either prove themselves as a legitimate contender or to kind of fall off into what a lot of us thought they would be at the start of the season as just a very good but albeit young team that is just going to be a couple notches short of being at that contender status. But on that note, I think that's a good place to wrap up this week on the Hangout in the Holy Land. want to say thank you again to Aaron Sorensen of HailVarsity.com for joining the podcast this week and giving us insights into everything about Nebraska and what's kind of made their season unique and the matchups that we need to be on the lookout for this week. 
So with that, I'm going to get on out of here. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast. I am Colton Denning. If you want to find my work, you can catch it at Land Grant and on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can also send me a tweet at Dubsco, D-U-B-S-C-O. And then as far as the podcast goes, on iTunes at Hangout in the Holy Land and then on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the game. Go Bucks, And never, ever, ever go up three games to one. <laughs>